What's something that you criticize yourself about that you wish you didn't, but you, you feel stuck in a loop about? I would say I have been an insufferable perfectionist since I remember. You know, for the longest time, I really would go into a lot of self-judgment and self-doubt about my own abilities if what I was delivering or doing or saying or the way I was presenting myself wasn't the you know to the utmost level of perfection which of course doesn't exist because it's all a perspective right then what I recognized was I I had to really take a look at that for myself because I was quite honestly just torturing myself the whole time working way too much um just just really not enjoying living and just probably quite enjoying being hard on myself because it was something that I knew it was something that I had control over Diva Diaz is a global speaker and facilitator of access consciousness. This is a uh, set of classes and seminars designed to help entrepreneurs who are neurodivergent, people like myself who have ADHD and people like her who have autism. There's so many different people around the world that are going through what we're going through. And that doesn't mean it's bad or negative or anything like that. But either way, it's something extremely important that we recognize that everyone is different. Everyone thinks differently, feels differently, experiences life and the world differently. And I wanted to talk with her because of the fact that part of being an entrepreneur is being a human. And part of being a human is understanding that we're different. And if we're able to look inside of ourselves and become more self-aware and be able to understand what it is that gives us life and gives us our uniqueness and what our strengths and weaknesses are, if we can be more self-aware, then maybe we can come to understand other people as well. And so in this episode, we talked about anxiety. We talked about communication. We talked about panic attacks a little bit. We talked about how to understand yourself and how to understand others and how to work with people when you're neurodivergent or how to work with neurodivergent people. And this was a really fantastic conversation. Diva is always very lovely and very fun, very interesting to communicate with. I enjoyed my time with her very much and I know you're going to love her too. And now to the show. So Diva, you have had a long career of working in corporations and then deciding to work with uh, entrepreneurs who have autism and ADHD and other sorts of neurodivergent uh, skill sets and mindsets. What's been one of the hardest parts of that process of learning about yourself and, and working with them and and trying to understand them and yourself in the process? Um, I'd say one of the hardest things is probably recognizing that a lot of the, the things that I thought were wrong with me in the past actually were always some kind of skill or capacity that I had that was different and recognizing those things in hindsight and watching other people recognize those things in hindsight um, can be interesting. It's incredibly freeing. And at the same time, it does make you think, wow, I could have done things in a completely different way or I could have navigated this differently. Um, but at the same time, the freedom that you get from that 
awareness is so huge that it also doesn't really matter so much. I was uh, at a business meetup yesterday and there was a guy there who was talking about how he has a number of friends in Portugal. We, we live in Portugal. He has a number of friends in Portugal, the vast majority of which are not business owners. And so oftentimes they may ask him like, oh, what's going on? And he's like, I don't know what to say with these people, because if I were to tell them what I'm really dealing with, they'd just be like, oh, I'm sure it'll turn out all right. And I feel like sometimes, and, and so I, I was able to understand him because I've been through some of those things myself. And so he's like, yeah, it's nice to be able to talk to you guys because I understand that I can actually tell you what's going on and you're not going to have this useless kind of you know thing to say. So I feel like um, that's been maybe part of your experience and part of my experience in knowing what we can say to other people. So for those who don't know, I have ADHD and um, that's been very difficult for me to, to manage between energy, focus, clarity, these kinds of things, um, you know, time management, et cetera. And it's not to my extent, I don't have autism, but sometimes I think ADHD might have an element of autism potentially. I'm not really sure. I haven't gotten tested, but I feel like there's a, a, a way to create an analogy between being an entrepreneur talking to someone who doesn't have, who doesn't have an entrepreneur, doesn't have a business to being someone who's neurodivergent, trying to talk to someone who's not and like them trying to understand. And, and I find the same way I'm colorblind as well. So when someone's like, Oh, it's this color, or like, oh, it's it's the green one. I'm like, which one's the green one? And they're like, what are you talking about? It's like that one. I'm like, how am I supposed to know? It's the, that's the green one, you know. Um, so I don't know if that's a similar thing you've ex encountered. Yeah, I think so. And I think you know, like one of the the really interesting things that I find as well is that there is a difference in talking to somebody who's neurodivergent or even an entrepreneur, as you're saying, um, from a kind of like theoretical. <laughs> point of view and then from the point of view where you have actually experienced things and you are the person that's living it as well and I know that that's very obvious to say but the more that you kind of um, discover these different abilities that you have from being neurodiverse um, to me it's made it so much easier to be able to actually um, relate to the people that I'm working with relate to these entrepreneurs and also have it have it so that for them, it's so much easier to understand that the rest of the world is different to them. It's not just that they're different from everyone else. You know, everyone else thinks in a different way to them as well. I recently wrote a newsletter about morals and ethics in business. And the crux of my position is that everyone is different from you. Everyone has different morals and standards and ethics than you do, even within your own culture. And so if you make the assumption that your needs, your wants, your desires, your way of doing things is the same as others, you will fail in almost every aspect of your life. And it was something that I had to learn and it took me living in China to realize and I still, I still realize over and over again, every country I go to, but I, I also liken that to neurodivergence and that you can make the assumption that everyone thinks fast and mm -hmm. is creative very easily and can identify edge cases that, uh, for things that connect to each other. But then 
when you try to communicate that to someone who can't do that or their brain isn't wired that way, you're, it's easy to go, well, that's dumb. Why can't you do that? Or, or like, but I thought everyone could do that. And so it, I think it's a problem for both sides trying to communicate each other. And I, maybe saying both sides is not correct in a way because it kind of pits us against the other, but I think you know what I mean. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's, that's exactly it. And, you know, one of the, the things that I find too is that the more that you are able to really get a clear understanding of how you function, like what triggers you, what motivates you, what allows you to be productive in terms of an environment, mm -hmm. what allows you to self-regulate. The more you can really get a handle on that, what becomes less important is that other people understand you. And what becomes less important is for you to even understand how other people function in the sense that you can observe it and not have a judgment of it, not be attached, like, come on, try and understand where I'm coming from. Because once you understand that so clearly within yourself, it does create a sense of peace, a sense of peace of mind where you're not um, tortured by the things that you're not able to achieve so easily or the things that are, are challenging for you. Um, and that to me has been something that's very, very empowering. I don't know if you found something similar or... I feel like understanding myself has been far simpler than understanding and and being accepting of others differences from me i think i struggle with that even yeah. though i try really hard and put a lot of energy into it i think it's still difficult for me i think it's difficult in general you know for people to understand uh, a completely different way of functioning um so yeah I, I get that completely. And, you know, again, it's it's a huge topic with so many facets to it, but um, it's one that can be incredibly empowering, which I'm grateful for. I'm grateful that we're at a time when we can actually talk about this. I remember when I started talking about this 14 years ago, it was not something that was a welcome conversation, let me tell you. <laughs> it was People were closed off to it. They didn't want to know. It seemed too weird. It seemed like you were ostracizing a particular group of people rather than just really acknowledging differences so that you could then go beyond the problems and actually start to tap into the different skills and abilities. I, I don't know about outside of the U.S. in this regard, but... I think America has always struggled with this kind of a conversation, especially because it's more centered around like race. I think the, the largest conversation was around race and then people thought it was solved. And then they're like, let's talk about homosexuality. And then let's talk about now the, the conversation is around uh, people who are transgender. I don't want to get into that. I'm just saying we, we, we try to push ourselves to have these conversations, but I think the vast majority of people are not ready to have these conversations. Yeah. And, you know, like the thing that I noticed um, is that during the time of the pandemic, it really, it really kind of put mental health at the forefront of what was going on for most people. So we were in many ways forced to look at it on a global scale, which I think is quite a phenomenon unto itself, you know, the other conversations, of course, have happened and, and they continue to happen and quite rightly so. Um, and it's mostly 
because of you know particular situations or whatever's going on in the country at the time but to have the whole world suddenly be forced into looking at this um as much as it was for terrible reasons <laughs> i think actually really did push us to to start this conversation that is hugely uncomfortable and is so varied and there's not necessarily an answer to it you know um it's just this continuous exploration of each other and of ourselves so what is a way that someone can try to accept themselves first because i guess it doesn't make sense to try to relate to others if you don't understand yourself first um i'd say the the thing that i come across the most with people that i work with um regardless of whether they're professionals entrepreneurs kids is this topic of self-judgment and self-criticism it it seems to be the one um kind of biggest stopping point for you to have ease in anything so if there's an area where you are judging yourself and you know we don't often know that we're judging ourselves because we've just decided that it's a fact like i'm just terrible at this or i'm just really bad at this or i just always fail in these situations or people just find me very annoying that's it it's a fact i'm annoying you know but when you look at that how much of that is actually a judgment that you have a view that you're wrong that you're not fitting in that um, there's something that needs to be fixed, that you should be doing something better. All of that, that the basis of that is judgment. And the incredible thing about judgment is that it's powerful. It's powerful. <laughs> so when you start judging something, you're basically sticking that thought or that feeling with glue to yourself. You're going, that's it. I'm holding on to this. I'm putting all my attention and energy on this. So the main thing that I would say is, start to notice the areas where you are just 100% convinced that you are wrong or messed up, because I can assure you that's probably going to be a place where you are judging yourself. It doesn't mean that you, it doesn't mean that it's not a fact that perhaps that's not your best skill or that perhaps, you know, you don't always find a way to annoy your parents, who knows, but start to look at where you might be judging yourself because when you have that judgment what happens is you're no longer looking at that situation as an observer which means you've lost all control so now the situation controls you and what happens in those cases is that when people who are neurodivergent as with everyone when they feel controlled and like they don't have any control themselves it can cause outbursts and upset and you know even withdrawal and many different things because it does show up differently for everybody but, um, you know, a great tool that, that I find that works very, very dynamically is a tool from Access Consciousness. And it's just saying to yourself, interesting point of view that I have this point of view. It is so simple. <laughs> like most people will discard it the first 10, 20 times they hear it because it's way too simple. But if you think about it, you know, if you've been thinking to yourself, oh, God, I keep doing really badly in this area or I need to improve, you know, but you've got that sense of heaviness, like there's something wrong with you that you need to fix because you're just broken in some way. Try and say to yourself, what an interesting perspective. What if this is just an interesting point of view? What that does is it actually tricks your mind and your energy changes too, because it changes that from being a solid fact that you won't be able to move move beyond that is going to create struggle and difficulty it changes that into something that is just a perspective that you're having in that moment 
And it's very subtle, but it's that way that you start to change those neural pathways. It's the way that you start to change those habits of the way that you talk to yourself. And therefore your energy changes, which means that your interactions with the world change as well. So the way that people react to you change. So it's subtle, but it's powerful. And it's one of the the fastest ways to get out of self-criticism other than just, you know, trying to fix the thing that you've decided is wrong with you, which doesn't work so well. <laughs> I'm definitely guilty of looking down on myself in certain ways, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people would think is crazy to hear about me because I generally come across as very confident, positive, but that's not the whole picture. Yeah. You know, I'm not one of these social media people that's like constantly posting positive stuff. And when people ask me how it's going, I'm like, like when, when we first got on before we started recording, you're like, how are you? And I'm like, well, do you want the whole story or, <laughs> or do you just want a few of the pieces of yeah. what I'm trying to, to deal with? Um, and so there's, yeah, I, I try to hold back all of it, not all of it. But I try to hold back the hardest parts of it so that, I don't make the person feel like I'm negative and they don't want to be around me because I, I worry that I'm being too negative or that I'm being too, um, like heavy in the way Mm -hmm. I talk and the way I emphasize my own opinions. So I, I definitely am guilty of this. Um, two other quick examples from other people. Yesterday I was playing golf in the morning and then, uh, billiards at night and the, at golf, it was just a driving range. I've never played on a course before, but I'm generally pretty decent. And I decided to invite some friends to go. They, uh, Two of them used to play when they were younger. One of them I never played before. Uh, one of them that I played when she was younger, played had, I played quite often. And she was far better than me, but she came going, I'm not that good and I haven't played in a long time. Within hitting like the first few balls, she was she had great form. She was hitting them pretty well and she was very consistent. And then like after a few really good times, a ball would just completely miss and she would just hit it like a few meters away instead of the, her normal like 100 plus. And then she'd be like, see, uh, you know, I, I hit a good one and then I hit a bad one. And I'm like, why do you think that about yourself? She's like, but you just saw it's what happened. I'm like, but that doesn't mean that has to be the reality. Every time you hit a big one, you hit a short one. Why isn't that you can't hit two? good ones in a row. And that, that, that one doesn't happen. That, that bad one doesn't need to happen. You know, you're consistent, you have good form. There's no reason why you're hitting a bad one, except you telling yourself that a bad one's coming. And so you yeah. make it happen for yourself. And she's like, Oh shit. I was like, yeah, but so why, why, why do you have to do that? And then, um, later on I was doing billiards and I was like, oh, there were three of us. And so I played with one guy and then the guy beat me and he decided he wanted to take a break. The other guy was like, nah, I haven't really played in like many years. And I'm like, you're a shark. I know you're a shark. You're just like making yourself look like you're not good. <laughs> and I broke, I didn't get anything in. And he got the first three balls in a row. And I'm like, see, I told you. He's like, I haven't played in like 20 years. I'm like, but that doesn't mean you forget that stuff. Your skill doesn't go away. Anything related to hand-eye coordination like that, it's muscle memory. You know, same thing with the the friend doing the golf. Once you have that skill, you basically never lose it, even if it's decades between when you did it last and and now. And it goes to the same thing. They're guilty of assuming they're not good at it, and yet they're far better than me. And I do it more often and more consistently than them. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Just a it's, of perspective. 
Exactly. And it's, it's really the, these internal conversations that we have with ourselves that create so much of what's going on in our lives. I mean, one of the targets that I've had with the work that I do for so long is just to create a possibility where people who are neurodivergent don't judge themselves. It's a big task that I'm, I'm setting myself. <laughs> I'm not sure that that's possible, but that they judge themselves at least a little bit less because, you know, when you have those self-criticisms going on, or like you're saying, assuming that something bad is going to happen, you end up creating it that way. You end up making those situations happening and then saying, see, I knew that that was going to happen when you've actually lined yeah. up all the cards for it to happen that way. So then I guess, because, you know, if you're listening, you might be thinking, well, then what's another way of doing it? Like how, if we're so conditioned to think this way, or if this is how I've been doing it for the last 30, 50, 100 years, like how am I supposed to to change it? Um, and one, one way that I have found is really effective is to go into question, start asking a different question than you've ever asked before. Kind of like the question that you asked your friend, Sean, like what if, what if questions are so great because they are completely open-ended. And again, what you're doing is you're creating a question that your mind can't follow. So the usual patterns of you having to set yourself up for failure or, you know, all these different things, they kind of can't feature in there anymore, you know? So you could ask like, what if this turned out better than I can imagine? What if there's a different way of doing it? You know, what could be a different way of doing this? What if I actually had a lot of ease with this interaction today? And just those questions, you'll be amazed at how quickly and easily it can actually um, really, you know, I mean, I spoke about having a sense of peace before, but it really just does give you a lot more relaxation in your world. So you're not constantly like kind of battling against your own demons, you know, and, mm. and the ones that you know are coming and you're like, oh gosh, I know this, this is probably going to happen. So I'm, you know, ready for a fight already. It actually puts you in a completely different, you know, situation where your mind and your awareness is going, oh, okay, this might be different. And so because of that, something different can show up. So I love that you gave that example about your friends. Hey, just give me 10 seconds of your time. I really appreciate you listening to the episode so far and I hope you're loving it. And if you are, I would love to ask you to subscribe to the channel because what we do is a lot of work and every week we bring you a new guest and a new story and what we do requires so much love so that we can bring you something amazing. And every week we're trying really hard to get better guests that have better stories and improve our ability to tell their stories. So your subscription lets the algorithm know that what we're doing is fantastic and no commitment it's free to do and if you don't like what we're doing later on you can always unsubscribe and either way we would love a like if you don't feel like subscribing at this time thank you very much and we'll take you back to the show now what's something that you criticize yourself about that you wish you didn't but you, you feel <laughs> stuck in a loop about I would say I have been an insufferable perfectionist since I remember really like just insufferable. Um, and, you know, for the longest time I 
really would go into a lot of self-judgment and uh, self-doubt about my own abilities if what I was delivering or doing or saying or the way I was presenting myself wasn't the, you know, to the utmost level of perfection, which of course doesn't exist because it's all a perspective, right? Hmm. Then what I recognized was I I had to really take a look at that for myself because I was quite honestly just torturing myself the whole time, working way too much, um, just, just really not enjoying living and just probably quite enjoying being hard on myself because it was something that I knew it was something that I had control over. So what I had to recognize was, do I want to continue to live this way, which is quite an interesting Mm. conversation to have with yourself. You know, it requires some brutal honesty with yourself, a bit of vulnerability (laughs) sprinkled in, but um, looking at that and recognizing, okay, so if I don't want to live this way anymore, then like, what is this really? If I'm able to see details Um, and know how something could be, is it possible that there is actually a capacity here? And what I recognized was that I was able to see a level of detail that most people aren't able to see in, you know, if we're talking about business in particular, in different projects, in in a direction that a business could go in, but also um, the ability to see where things could head, you know, so rather than having just the the regular kind of, oh, this could be a a regular okay result that we could get from this project. I would already be like 500 years ahead, you know, thinking that it could be this gigantic kind of explosion. (laughs) So looking at that, I started to recognize what if it's not wrong that that that's not the result I'm having immediately, but what skill set can I take from this? What are the good parts that I can take from this that I can use to my advantage that will actually contribute to this project, to this business, to this conversation and to my life. And so I I started to turn that around and ask, okay, so how do I use this to my advantage? And that's something that I think um, for a lot of neurodivergent people is super applicable because a lot of the things that they are having a challenging time with, when you start to break it down and you start to look at, okay, so is there a capacity here? What's the ability behind all of this? When you ask yourself that question, you start to look at, at the things that you are aware of, the things that you're noticing, the things that you um, you know, are capable of perhaps instituting or bringing to the table that you hadn't really taken a moment to acknowledge properly. And in doing so, it does empower you and it does give you a different sense of confidence as well. So if I were to ask myself that question, it would go something like this. How can I use panic attacks to my advantage? <laughs> and I haven't figured that out yet. So I, no. would, I would love to know if you have any uh, words of wisdom because I, yes. I'm trying. So I would, and I love that, that you brought this up. Thank you so much. Because I would, I would kind of take one step back from that because the panic attack is actually the symptom. It's not the cause. So when you look at, at it, this question was really designed... What it's designed to do is to really get you to look at what's underneath all of this, okay? So for me, the perfectionism was like the symptom, the self-doubt, the judgment, why am I not perfect, you know? That was like the symptom of something else that was going on before that. Something else happened first that then led to the perfectionism. So what I would ask you is what are you actually aware of before the panic attack? What are you aware of before the panic attack? For a lot of people who are neurodivergent, yeah. 
You mean, what do I think triggers it? Yeah, what can trigger it? What comes up in your world? Is it a sensation? Is it a situation? Are you in a particular environment? Do you perhaps think of somebody as like a flash thought that you don't even notice cognitively you're doing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm not really allowed to say it. Yeah. In public. But you know what it moment. is. <laughs> I can I can t- I can tell you off air, but I can't yeah. really talk about it. Um uh, normally I would be extremely uh, transparent, but something may happen in the near future and so I I it's best for me to keep it to myself for now um no on air. But yeah, it's that's been a recurring person mm-hmm. and a recurring theme because Okay. I thought I would only spend 125,000. I think I thought that would be my max. That was my my budget for it. And when it crossed that number, it started to grow on a monthly basis of how much would need to be spent, and I didn't have any end in sight of where I'd be able to get money from someone else to be able to continue it. And that definitely gave me a lot of anxiety um because I didn't have another business funding it. It was all like my savings at that point. And uh, COVID also came around that time, and that was definitely not helpful. Yeah. Um, and so for some time, I would get, I don't want to say panic attacks, but I would have physical manifestations of stress around people. And sometimes I still do. Like, I might be in front of someone, like, let's say it's just having lunch, whatever, with someone, and I may even know this person, and I may feel really comfortable with this person, and out of nowhere, I start to feel stress, and I start to feel the parts of yeah. my, like, the skin, like, the muscles kind of, like, tensing up in a way. I don't know if you've ever felt that before. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but I, I think it's I, like I a, it, it kind of presents as, like, a tension headache, but I know I'm the one causing it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why it's happening and I don't know when it happens. And that, that in itself can't really be considered a panic attack because I've had panic attacks. That's a, that's stress in a way, but it's like, we're having a good conversation. There's nothing wrong. And yet I still feel stressed and these tension headaches, whatever are still happening. It's like, I don't really, it doesn't make sense. But all I know is it started four years ago. Yeah. And so, but this is a, a, you know, a really good example of you actually knowing what it is to a certain degree that's causing or that has caused the panic attacks just from one question, just right now, you know, that was like 30 seconds and you're like, oh yeah, I know what's actually causing this. So already that's a different level of awareness that you have. The more that you play with that and you ask, okay, so what am I aware of here, even perhaps with this other situation Like, what am I aware of here? What am I aware of right before it begins? It might have nothing to do with your friend. It might be something else that's going on subconsciously. It might be somebody's energy who just walked into the room because we all are emitting, you know, like an electromagnetic field of energy the entire time with our thoughts, our feelings. You know, you can tell when somebody's Mm. angry, they don't need to open their mouth or look a certain way. We've all had that experience. And so people who are neurodiverse, they, divergent, sorry, they they have such an extreme ability in that area that their volume is turned up to like a thousand, whereas the rest of the world might perceive on a volume from say one to 10, they perceive from one to a thousand. So those things are very, very loud to them, which is why they're also really great business people. 
as well, the great entrepreneurs, because they have a very strong gut feeling that very often they'll follow more so than other people who have to weigh out the pros and cons in every situation. Hmm. So for example, when, before we started recording and we were just having a chat and maybe you could tell I was different in a way, my personality was, was more present, not, maybe not more present, but more like turned up, right? I was more like funny. I was more relaxed. And then when we start recording, I start to feel a little bit more like, okay, let's be a little more professional. Let's make things make sense. And then I also feel more stress in a way. So like I can, I can feel this kind of tension headache in a way. It's not so bad right now. It's maybe like a two out of 10, but, but it's there. Maybe that's my own desire to make sure that what comes out in the quality of the content is there, that it's a good production. Maybe it is a form of perfectionism. I don't know. Maybe it's me trying to self curate. I don't know. Um, but I, I see a lot of people that record videos for YouTube and they have these incredible personalities and you can see that they're really excited and, and they're fun to listen to. And I, maybe sometimes I worry that like, I'm not that fun or I'm not that interesting to listen to, or that I'm worried that people will feel like I'm not as energetic as I should be to be someone they would want to watch. You know, but then I see there's people like Tim Ferriss and Lex Friedman and Stephen Bartlett that they're interesting, but they're not high energy. Even Joe Rogan's not very high energy. He's loud, but but they're all thought provoking. They're all so I, I feel like maybe I'm just being hard on myself. I don't know. But I've always really wanted to be able to not feel anxiety when recording. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think part of it, too, is is getting to the point where you are just a bit easier on yourself because we are, you know, we live in a society that is pretty demanding and we have so many things going on. I don't need to list them all. You know what they are. But it can just get a bit too much sometimes like that, let's just be honest for a second you know so part of this thing of getting out of judgment is also just allowing it like some days you might be a little bit low energy and what if that's okay and some days you might be super hyperactive and what if really that's okay and what if that's actually part of your appeal to the world you know and I know that we're talking about this you know you working on your podcast but just in general in life, I think we're so often trying to kind of live up to an image that we think that when we finally live up to it, we will be better or we will have more success. And I see this happen so much with entrepreneurs. I'm sure you do as well. Um, mm. And if we were just a little bit easier on ourselves just for that one hour a day, you know, it doesn't need to be 24 hours a day, but just for one hour a day, just, just go easy on yourself. I wonder what that could start to change because when you're being hard on yourself, the, the difficulty is where does all your attention go when you're being hard on yourself? Your attention goes towards yourself and not something more important. Yeah. Like getting stuff done, taking care exactly. of people. <laughs> exactly. And so what happens is that the connection that you could have with people, be it in business situations or just any kind of relationship in general or with an audience or with your clients, that starts to take second priority to this other thing that's going on in your head about yourself. And that's a problem with self-judgment that we feel that we're so wrong and we're so bad, but it's actually incredibly like consuming 
you know, it's, it's something that is really taking you away from what it is that you desire to create. So another question that I give to a lot of my clients is, is this relevant? Is this relevant? Which can sound a little bit harsh, like, hold on, of course it's relevant. Like I'm feeling this way, like don't discard, you know, but it's not about that. It's for you to ask it to yourself. I'm not saying go out and ask this, you know, to your partner or anything. (laughs) Don't stop fights. (laughs) It's not about that, but ask it to yourself. Like, is this relevant? Because how much attention are we putting on things that actually aren't really relevant to the future that we are looking to create and to have? I mean, I know for me, I can go down a spiral of that wasn't perfect enough. That wasn't good enough. My businesses should be this far ahead by now. Why is this, you know, part of the business struggling? And I will, and it's a never ending black hole. So I have to take a moment to actually look at myself and rather than go, let me just do a priorities list or, or whatever, just ask myself a really honest question. Is this relevant? And usually it's a no, because the stuff that's going to make you feel heavy and contracted and limited is usually stuff that is not permanent is usually things that you can change. They're usually things that aren't the core important values of who you are. And so by asking yourself, is this relevant? What you're doing is you're actually telling yourself and taking your mind away from that into what is relevant. So of course that problem may still be have happening. Of course you may still have the tax man after you, or I don't know, you know, whatever you may have going on. But then you're actually putting your energy on what is relevant, which is so key for us as a society and especially as entrepreneurs and even more so as neurodivergent entrepreneurs to keep moving in a direction that's generative and not allow ourselves to spend such a vast amount of time just trying to handle our own thoughts and feelings about what's going on. So is there something that you do every day that focuses on trying to be kinder to yourself? Yes, absolutely. Um, I would say that, you know, in addition to kind of all these different bits that we've mentioned, I, I really take notice when I'm starting to get agitated in myself. Um, when I'm starting to get that antsy feeling, which I used to mistake for motivation <laughs> and I used to seek it in a way. Um, And now I recognize that and I ask myself a question instead. So I'll go away from that autopilot of just feeling a certain way or, um, you know, maybe starting to get like a little bit cranky in certain situations or trying to force things into existence. And I'll, I'll take a moment to be with myself and I'll ask myself, okay, so is there an easier way that I can do this? Because one thing that I know about neurodivergent people is that they are so brilliant they often don't know how brilliant they are and they are so fast like you mentioned sean at the beginning too that when you ask a question it is going to be a matter of moments that they have already come up with like five to ten ideas as to what that possibility could be so when i notice that i'm not in constant question i know that i'm not using my full uh potential so i'm trying to be more like everyone else i'm trying to just problem solve on a very kind of like um linear um, you know, like logical level. When I notice that I will literally ask myself, so what else is possible here? Is there a different way I can do this? What have I not thought of yet? What other thing could we be doing? What could I add to this in doing that? What I'm doing is I'm taking myself out of 
any self-criticism because that's no longer the relevant thing that I'm looking at. I'm taking myself out of that feeling of antsy, uh, kind of like stress or whatever. Um, but I still allow it to be there. It's okay. I'm not trying to fix it, but I'm trying to add something else to it. I'm trying to add an, an element of value to whatever's going on by asking, okay, so what else is possible? And in that, what happens is my creativity starts to take over and that becomes the dominant feature of that moment. And so going into question and being in a state of curiosity is such a dynamic tool because, you know, as we all know, any great thing that's ever been invented or created has come from asking lots of questions. It's never come from going, okay, we've got it right, job done, <laughs> everyone, let's go have coffee. You know, it's come from this continuous state of curiosity. So if you can um, almost retrain yourself to have that state of curiosity in your day to day, what will start to happen is that you will start to really be reaching far more of what people call potential, which I like to call just your general abilities and capacities. And when you're doing that, you're going to be a lot less stressed, a lot less depressed and a lot less, fo a lot less focused on what isn't working. I feel like I live in curiosity all day long and I think that stresses me out because <laughs> <laughs> I'm always asking, what if, what's possible, what can you do? Like someone, I was with someone and they, they said something and I started just rattling off ideas and they're like, I like, why, why are you thinking about that? I was just like sharing something with you. And I was like, that's how my brain works. I can't shut it off. I'm sorry, but like, that's what you get. And they're like, okay. Yeah. Like, and you were saying, okay, we've solved the problem. Let's go get coffee. I, I think that's how Portuguese people think. And they're just like, oh, you know, problem solved. Let's go have a coffee or let's have a glass of wine. I do quite like that way. I mean, I love coffee, so I'm never going to say no to that. But I think, you know, in general, <laughs> if that's like your if that's like your go to for everything, like, OK, task done, that's fine. But for a lot of neurodivergent people, they because they have such a level of creativity, their minds will never stop. Exactly like you just mentioned, Sean, like. I probably only have to say one line and you've already got a hundred ideas in a hundred different directions. Um, <laughs> and it's just normal. Yeah. And so in order to nurture that, you know, what are some of the things that, that um, you can use yourself and what are some of the internal conversations that you can have with yourself so that that becomes something that is easier and, and not a, not a place where you need to feel wrong for being different to others or even agree when somebody else says to you, why are you doing that? That's so weird. You know, and you have to be like, well, it's just who I am, you know, but even have a, a, a sense of peace of mind, true peace of mind with that. So you don't like do gratitude or manifestations or tell yourself that, you know, there's nothing wrong with you, that you're strong, that you're capable, that you're lovely, that whatever, like you don't do those or do you do those things with yourself ever? No, no. I mean, the tools that I use are primarily all from access consciousness because they're, they're empowering in the sense that they're mostly based on question. Because um, the thing is, we live in a world where everybody's giving us their answer. Tell yourself this, and then you're going to do it. Tell yourself that, do this answer, you know, this is the way to do it. But how empowering is that? It's not at all, because it's that other person's answer. So um, I mean, I try to do um, a lot of affirmations and stuff. But when you're doing an affirmation, how often are you trying to convince yourself of something that you've already decided you're not? And that makes it very difficult to come out of, you know, 
it's like if I've got to tell myself I'm lovely, somewhere I've decided I'm not lovely. Otherwise, why would I? I'm not sitting here going, I'm a rabbit because it's just not relevant, you know? And so it can work very well for some people. But if it if it's not something that is really working dynamically the moment you start using it as a tool, then find another tool. You know, uh, things that I do do is I, I do actually um, ask, like, what am I grateful for? But I don't do it like I've got to do a journal every day. I do it in a way that if I'm having a moment during my day where I'm, you know, not having a lot of ease, I will ask myself, okay, so what am I grateful for here? Oh, I'm grateful for the life that I've created. I'm grateful for where I am headed, you know, takes me to the bigger picture. But from a question, what am I grateful for? When you ask a question, that literally will change your energy. It changes your state of mind in that moment. And that to me is so, so powerful because it's not about convincing yourself of anything and trying to drive yourself there. It's about being willing to change your own energy and your own thoughts in the moment. Um, and so, you know, when you spoke about manifestation, one of the tools um, that we use in Access Consciousness is to ask yourself, okay, so what is the life that you'd actually really like? What is the life that you'd really like? And, you know, write it down if you like. And I was just doing this the other day because I do it like every six months, you know, just kind of like see where I am and do it again. Um, and then I will ask, okay, so what, um, so what, what can I be to be that? What can I be to be this energy? Because what happens is we get so caught up in our day-to-day -day of doing, and we all know what's required of us in terms of what do I need to do? We can all write that list in a second. So what's the point in going over that in our heads? That's not going to do anything, you know? But what do you have to be? Do you have to be quieter in your mind? Do you have to be a little bit kinder to yourself? Do you have to be a little bit more assertive in situations? What do you have to be all about that you perhaps haven't considered that you could add to the mix? And so these are some of the, the different tools um, you know, that when combined, obviously create a lot of forward motion. Um, but really, I just kind of pick and choose based on the moment. I think that makes a lot more sense than what I've been doing recently, which is I'll say five things that I'm grateful for. So I don't ask myself, what am I grateful for? I just go, I'm grateful for my dog because yeah. I'm grateful for the yeah. sun because whatever. Um, and then I'll do something like with manifestation where it's like, okay, well, what do I want today to be about? And it's like, okay, today I want to be about fun. Today I don't really want to work. I just want to have fun. Whatever it is I'm doing, no matter who it is I'm meeting, I just want to have fun. I want to make them smile. I want to enjoy the day. And then I'll, I, I feel so stupid saying this, but I've recently been using a, a stopwatch to time myself smiling because I feel like I don't smile as much as I could. And I know that I have a really good smile and people have told me that they like my smile. And yet I find myself not really being too great at showing the emotions on my face, even though I can express them very clearly with my voice. And so I'll yeah. do like, okay, I'm going to hold a smile for 10 seconds. And then I'm going to have 10 seconds of no smile. And then 20 seconds of the smile and then 10 seconds of no smile and 30 and 10 and 40 and 10 and 50. Yeah. Does it actually make a difference in my life? I'm not even sure. But I feel like, if anything, I'm working out the muscles in my face. So exactly. I don't know. May, maybe maybe you you've heard something better. Like may, maybe what I mean is, maybe I'm doing it the way you suggest already without realizing it. But I also don't. 
like you're you're using it when you feel stress i'm doing it in the morning when i wake up to hopefully prime myself that the day will be good and positive yeah yeah and that's great too i mean that's absolutely great too you know there are certain things that i will sometimes do in the mornings and sometimes i'm just too busy the moment that i open my eyes and sometimes you know whatever the day takes over um but i think the main thing is do what works for you okay and what works for you doesn't mean do what you've been doing as a habit that you've decided you need to keep doing do what actually creates a result do what creates something greater and this is something that i learned you know when i started this um line of work 14 years ago that many of the things that i i was doing made me feel like i was doing a good job because i was doing 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 and i had like my things and my list and I was visualizing I was whatever and it's not to knock any of those things I still do those things but just not quite as vigorously as before because before I was doing it just to tick it off the list to say I'd done it and go okay well hopefully now my my week's going to be a lot better rather than really following the energy and following the energy is about trusting your gut so in that moment it may not create the greatest result to say to yourself okay let me smile it might create the greatest result for you to call that person that you just thought of and you know, then you go ahead and you do that. Or it might create greater in that moment to just go, oh, actually, what am I grateful for right now? I'm really grateful for this situation. So part of this is again, honing in um, into those abilities that we have as um, people who are neurodivergent of this very strong gut feeling and following that rather than just this system that is fixed of what we should and shouldn't be doing to get a certain result. You know, so it's like if it's making you feel great and really inspired for your day and it's kind of like expanding your world and making you be like, wow, there are so many more possibilities available than I thought of, you know, even 10 minutes before I started this exercise or this tool or this process. Great, do it. But if it just makes you go, okay, tick that off my list, then you might want to ask yourself, okay, so is this actually creating what I desire? Is this actually working? Is this going as fast as I'd like or is there something else that I can do? Is there something else I can add to it? So again, it's not about throwing it away, but maybe in that moment, it could be something else. Um, because otherwise, what I find tends to happen, and I see this with so many entrepreneurs, is that they then start feeling guilt and shame if they're not getting the results from those daily practices that they thought the daily practices would give them. And what I always say to them is, what if your daily practice every day is different based on the day and different based on how you are? that day what if you're willing to follow that a lot more what's the most important thing you've learned in life so far to not judge okay i guess that sums up everything we've just talked about fair enough <laughs> okay easy i'm a simple girl what can i tell you 